2: Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. So sorry, we had an unexpected, unscheduled and unplanned break last week. And uh, Kunal, it's all your fault. Tell them what happened.
0: That's very good teamwork, but (laughs) (laughs) the double header in Sochi and Suzuka actually sucked my energy out. And before I knew it, the week was just gone, you know, like that. And that's how I also actually feel about the 2018 Formula 1 season. It just like started two weeks back and by now we are almost about to end it. But I completely take the blame. And however, thanks for checking in on us via Twitter, Rajesh. And also, thank you for your feedback. Uh, This is from a Twitter handle called Williams Forever.
2: Uh, So guys, in this week's episode, we have a lot lined up. We're going to look forward to the United States Grand Prix. And of course, we have our amazing What Wolf Said This Week section.
0: Well, I wonder if Donald Trump is going to follow Vladimir Putin's Uh, lead and visit the formula one grand prix this weekend i don't think any american president has ever come to the grand prix at least not in the recent past and maybe donald trump who's making history will actually make history in formula one
2: yeah and also we have the moments in time section with Lucien later on in the show
0: and i will keep reminding you uh and all our listeners all through the show why i will miss fernando alonso in formula one next year And from discussing the Vettel-Hamilton rivalry, we are actually going to talk about their newfound bromance.
2: Guys, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, on Audioboom, and we're basically everywhere. We promise you your weekly dose of Formula One humor.
0: Right. So at some point during uh, this season, and it's been a long season, although I said it feels really short, uh, we had asked two questions, very relevant questions. How soon before Lewis Hamilton wraps up his fifth Formula One World Championship, and where will Racing Point Force India finish this season?
2: I think the first question could probably be answered this weekend. And it's so strange, but it's actually in Valtteri Bottas's hands if Hamilton will clinch his title in the United States. And I think given Hamilton's love for the United States, I think he'd definitely be wishing for that.
0: Yes, and uh, if Hamilton and Vettel finish 1-2 in the race, then Lewis Hamilton will have to wait Till Mexico to seal his title, which we know it's a doubleheader, so it's going to be like next weekend.
2: Yeah, but I know the one person who would want Hamilton to seal his uh, title in America and not Mexico would be Donald Trump.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I still remember Donald Trump's fake tweets from last year's Grand Prix. And one of them that really stood out for me was when he said, fake overtaking.
2: But Kunal, you know, we've had uh, teams and Lewis Hamilton obviously talk of the best fans on social media and during interviews, but without a doubt, I think the best Formula One fans are in Japan.
0: Oh, yes. yes. I, I definitely agree with that.
2: You know, I so loved their car-themed hats. I was wondering if there was some sort of official competition or something to reward fans that had the most awesome caps because they were just so great.
0: But guys, let me remind you, Christmas is almost around the corner. So this could <laughs> probably be a very good gift for the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. But uh, I'm
2: imagining you recording the podcast in that hat. <laughs> it's so funny.
0: <laughs> I'm sure the big car is going to keep hitting my mic each time I'm talking but anyway since we are in the week of the United States Grand Prix I somewhere read that the average age of the American Formula One fan is 59 years and I cannot recollect the source but it seemed like a legitimate source citing a very scary fact of course.
2: Yeah and in a bit to win younger fans Formula One has announced that they'll be launching a free mobile racing game and honestly, I think Liberty Media's marketing efforts seem spot on. I'm just waiting to see how the technical and sporting efforts shape up.
0: Yes, and I last read that they're going to be up to six or seven F1 festivals in 2019. So all of this, of course, going from the, the, the Central Kitty, which uh, the teams also have a share in. But uh, things seem to be on track for 2019 at least. But for 2021, there seem to be delays and like before, I really hope that Formula One doesn't run out of time to implement the changes that they really wish to because they cannot afford any more delays.
2: By the way, 21 races, they've been confirmed for 2019 and the calendar actually stretches from March till December, which is really long. Uh, Kunal, I was a bit disappointed that there were no triple headers, but luckily we have lots of double headers to keep us going.
0: Mind you, the triple header is also a reason for me to not record the podcast at times.
2: <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> they did. They, they, they kind of avoided that happening next season. But
0: the Inside Line F1 podcast will be entertaining you from January till December. We actually do not have an off-season. So we love what we do and we are committed to presenting you guys with good or great content. Or yeah, I mean, I'm bragging. But anyway, (laughs) for 2019, the Formula One cars will feature lights on the rear wing end plates. And this is in addition to the rear light that cars uh, anyway have. And uh, this raving and plate lights is uh, to improve visibility in wet weather conditions.
2: And I'm wondering if this addition is also to make cars look much better because they do. (laughs) I'm also glad that they're not going to be used as, you know, turn indicators as we would in regular road cars. (laughs) Because I'm imagining Max Verstappen indicating that he's turning left and then actually goes right, you know, when he's having his favourite Verstappen moves while defending positions.
0: Well, I think Jacques Villeneuve will be pleased because if I remember correctly, he wanted break lights at some point. And this is, of course, a few seasons old. But if I also remember correctly... Uh, these lights are not going to be brake lights, which is a good thing. They're just an extension of the existing lights we have on the cars. But what, even more importantly, Jax Villeneuve said was... And he says a lot of things. He said is that Vettel should write a book on how to lose.
2: I honestly think Jacques Villeneuve is just going out there saying all these outrageous things because he wants his own section on our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But I also think that he could write a book on how to stay relevant by making irrelevant statements in this world of Formula 1. Ouch.
0: (laughs) And then just when we thought that Ferrari might have actually given up on Vettel's ability to deliver them the title. Uh, Maurizio Arriva-Ben has made a statement again, where he's compared uh, Sebastian Vettel to Michael Schumacher and how they are alike and whatnot. And this is when there are fresh rumors coming in that, uh, you know, Vettel doesn't deliver the 2019 uh, world title, then he's going to have to leave Ferrari or something like that. But... Honestly, I think Ferrari need to stop dreaming and start living. Because while they're dreaming about Vettel doing what Schumacher did... Lewis Hamilton's doing exactly that at Mercedes. And, uh, you know, frankly, don't get me wrong on this whole Vettel thing. He's got the talent. Ferrari have the car. But they need to figure how to deliver together. Because they've actually failed two successive seasons in a row.
2: I seriously think that Michael Schumacher's 91 race win record is under threat.
0: Well, early days, but you have a point. And uh, frankly, if you were to take uh, Hamilton's average number of wins per season, he is literally like just two seasons away from equaling that record.
2: Yeah, and he's not done yet for this season because he's going to add to his tally of nine wins before 2018 ends, for sure. And, uh, you know, similarly in MotoGP, so Valentino Rossi said that his records are under threat from Marc Marquez. And Kunal, I would have never imagined that these kind of records would be broken and broken this early.
0: Yes, I mean, I grew up to watching Valentino Rossi and Michael Schumacher race. And I know Rossi is still racing. And it is frankly strange to see their records fall. And like you said, uh, this is early, but it all depends honestly on Mercedes's form over the next few years. And of course, Lewis Hamilton's uh, motivation as well, because somebody broke the news that If Hamilton wins his fifth title in 2018, which we know he is going to, he might just end up retiring as well. So various things that we keep hearing about all these rumors.
2: In this whole Hamilton-Vettel battle, I'm quite appreciative of Lewis Hamilton's defense of Vettel. And obviously, I don't mean on track. I mean when he appealed to the media and he told them to respect Vettel and all of that. Very interesting.
0: Well, you know... I was honestly disappointed and and when I say disappointed as in it's great to see all the respect etc. between two really valiant drivers Uh, but I want to see boxing style rivalry. You know this bromance is too brotherly for my liking. (laughs) I mean my mind goes back to the MMA fights that you know we saw a couple of weeks ago and I don't mean that you know we, we literally see drivers throwing punches at each other but somewhat having that bit of rivalry would make sense and... Uh, Lewis Hamilton, he also said that he wants softer tyres in Formula 1. But what got me thinking the most about Hamilton's various statements was that when he said that uh, winning the Formula 1 title early in the season gains him back some life. And this is philosophy at its best.
2: Yeah, I don't think any of us can imagine the kind of pressures that these drivers go through. And obviously, this goes on for months.
0: And I agree with Hamilton. You know, Mercedes have... Literally won the psychological battle this year against Ferrari and Vettel. And that goes without a doubt. And the other thing that got me thinking was when Flavio Briatore and uh, Nico Rosberg said about uh, Vettel's attitude in the you know title battle this season. Briatore said that Vettel was obsessed with race wins to gain title advantage. And then Nico Rosberg pointed out that Vettel should have focused on marginal gains to beat Lewis Hamilton.
2: Nico Rosberg actually said that's what he did in 2016. And I remember that he'd actually won lesser races than Lewis Hamilton that season, but he still clinched the championship. That's correct. Yeah. And Rosberg also said something else we've discussed before, that Formula One and Formula E could merge at some point in the future.
0: Now, first things first, we were the first ones to say something like this. But anyway, I don't think Rosberg's statement was like insider talk, just because he has some shares in... Formula E, it's just probably his view as an observer, much like it is ours. And like he pointed out, uh, Formula One and Formula E eventually have the same owners. But I'm going to go back to talking about Sebastian Vettel. And he said that he doesn't read the news about himself and that it is not that he's cracked under pressure this year. And he actually said that when he is down and out, he remembers the joy that racing a Formula One car brings him. And yet again... You know, this is Vettel's philosophical side. And I wonder what but both our title protagonists have suddenly become so philosophical. You know, one at the winning end of his title and the other one at the losing end of his title.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and Vettel was actually also so funny when he was asked on his views about the changes in qualifying. And he says that, yeah, you know, in a few years, we'll be discussing about, you know, Q6, Q7, Q8. (laughs) It was really funny. And, uh, you know, he also said something else that uh, along with DRS, uh, drivers should have bananas to throw at each other like in Mario (laughs) Kart. This was in Suzuka. (laughs) I
0: remember that. I literally burst out laughing. And it's nice. You know, it's good that drivers are able to make uh, make fun of Formula One these days. So the new ownership is being pretty lenient with them and what they say.
2: Yeah, but they can't make fun of Formula One if they're Fernando Alonso. Uh, because all his anti-Formula One radio messages are being edited out from the podcast. Boom, gone. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> yeah, I, I, in, uh, on the radio in Suzuka, after hearing about his penalty, Alonso actually said something like, Shame on you, Formula One, but... We never got to hear that.
0: Since we're talking about Fernando Alonso, it's also time to discuss what a lot of Ferrari fans have been talking. And uh, they said that Fernando Alonso could have won the title of Ferrari in this year's car. In fact, I think I read somewhere that there's an online petition asking Arriva Ben to bring Alonso back. To Ferrari.
2: So strange, no. last month it was asking him to keep Kimi Raikkonen, another <laughs> online petition which I signed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure this Fernando Alonso petition is something Gunjan Shah, our listener, would have signed, knowing his love for Alonso. But all I have to say to this whole saga is that let's see what Charles Leclerc has got. And uh, this is for all of those who have lost faith uh, in Sebastian Metal. And I don't think I would count myself as one of those. But that it. I am going to miss Fernando Alonso in Formula 1 next season.
2: I think the good thing is that Alonso is going to be funny across all racing series that he goes to. So he's not going to lose that. And as for the WEC, Alonso said that the privateer teams are as fast as Toyota. And it's just that they don't manage their races as well. But, you know, Kudal, I am sure that if he were in a privateer team and Toyota was winning everything, he would have just said that, oh, it's their budget that's making them unbeatable.
0: (laughs) Having said that, I will still miss Fernando Alonso in Formula 1 next season.
2: Fine, I hear you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, I mean, look at it this way. The top 10 in the World Drivers' Championship table is proof why I would miss Fernando Alonso. That McLaren is slower than it's ever been since probably all McLaren fans can't even remember when McLaren was that slow but Fernando Alonso is fighting to remain the best of the rest 7th place and we all know that uh, he is going to be beaten it's it's uh, you know it's more of a question of how soon rather than if but let's look at it this way it's taken the others nearly 17 races to beat Fernando Alonso's season long performance in that McLaren
2: And for the midfield battle, and I've been tracking that very closely, it's getting so interesting. So there's Renault versus Haas, McLaren versus uh, Racing Point Force India, and then there's Magnussen versus Hulkenberg versus Alonso versus Paris versus Ocon, all for 7th place.
0: And I tell you what, Roman Grosjean should be annoyed that he doesn't find himself in that very fight. But uh, this makes me question, you know, I know we've discussed this in the past and we actually had an episode dedicated to this point, if uh, Formula One should award points to all finishers. And I've been reading a lot of interesting points out there. Uh, There are people who believe that awarding points to everyone will make racing interesting for all the lower positions as well.
2: Yeah, you mean Alonso won't grunt anymore about racing for P15 or whatever. (laughs) He'll
0: get a couple of points for it or something.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think I'm going to miss Fernando Alonso too now. There you go. Yes. (laughs) Also, this is damn interesting. I hear that Formula One is thinking of using a digital checkered flag at some point in the future. And this would be in addition to the yellow, blue and the other flags that they already use in the digital format.
0: Now, to me, the waving of the checkered flag is really iconic to Motorsport and to Formula One. Now, just because they can't get the right people on when to wave the flag. They're changing the flag altogether and I'm pretty disappointed about that.
2: Yeah, you know, I don't remember who that model was in Canada who waved the flag too early, but I wonder if she knows, you know, what what her outcome, what the outcome of her actions has been. Winnie Hollow, I think? Yeah.
0: I don't care. Anyway, yeah. Just and... get me the, the checkered flag <laughs> flag back.
2: The, flag, the, the fact is that the person triggering the digital flag could still end up triggering it a lap too early. <laughs> so that actually doesn't solve the problem. I mean, I know that they can automate this and it's all possible uh, logically. But frankly, the sight of seeing the waving checkered flag is just so iconic for us fans and I'm sure for the drivers as well.
0: Yes, yeah, so you know, let's hope that the flag remains forever. Like, digitize everything else, but leave the checkered flag. But uh, looking forward to 2019, again, the rookie of the year is going to be a toughly contested title, if there ever is a title, because there's Lando Norris, there's George Russell who got announced, and there could be Alexander Albon joining this list as well. And in fact, I can't remember when last we had such a young grid, because let's remember. Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, Pierre Gasly, and you know, hopefully Esteban Ocon as well, they are all going to be racing in 2019. And I think the average age of all these kids is like 21 or maybe 22 years old or something. And uh, having said that, since we're talking of young drivers, the irony of all of this is that uh, the Formula 1 careers of the 2014 and the 2015 GP2 champions has already ended. And I'm talking of Jolyon Palmer and Stoffel Van Dorn in that order.
2: I find it ironic, Kunal, that the Formula One fan is older than ever, but the grid is younger than ever. You know, it's so uh, opposite, really. But for all of the Lance Stroll hate... Or the Stroll 8, you know, in general. Uh, I think it was actually Stroll and uh, Daniel Ricciardo who have triggered these amazing changes in the driver lineups for next year. So credit where it's due, I guess.
0: Yes, thank you. That's an interesting insight or rather interesting observation. And as for Mick Schumacher, I'm not sure whether he'll get a direct entry into Formula 1. We've spoken about it uh, about this in the last episode and uh, I'm sure everyone would you know, want to be cautious about his progress, given the legacy he brings along with him, etc. But I really hope that he gets a young driver's test later this year. The question is if he'll get it in this case, and if he does so, which team it'll be. Because we've speculated how there seems to be no urgency amongst Ferrari, Red Bull or Mercedes in signing up Mick Schumacher.
2: By the way, talking about the strolls. So, Lauren Stroll has said that Lance has a good head on his shoulders. And uh, frankly, I am eager to see what he can do in the Force India in 2019. Because, you know, the car will no longer be an excuse for his poor performances. Yes,
0: and, um, (laughs) you know, minutes before we entered the studio to record this episode... Uh, Sergio Perez has been confirmed as the Force India driver for 2019. So while uh, Lance Stroll hasn't been confirmed officially, we do know that it's going to be the Stroll-Perez partnership. And literally going up against Sergio Perez is going to be one big challenge for Lance Stroll.
2: I read that Lance Stroll is already giving Mick Schumacher advice on driving in Formula (laughs) 1. And I found that so weird, you know, like Stroll is already giving the next generation advice on Formula 1. That just seems so
0: off. (laughs) Esteban Ocon and Williams might not happen, that's my view, unless Williams agree on a one-year contract option. Because Ocon definitely is eyeing the Mercedes drive in 2020. That said, I I read reports that Robert Kubica has got a 10 million pound sponsorship from some Polish company. So there's a good chance he may line up on the grid as well. And uh, uh, talking about all the teams, Renault has said that not all manufacturers can afford the arms race in Formula One. And it seemed like, you know, this small hint that Renault could think of quitting the sport if the new regulations don't keep Cost of competition as a factor.
2: And all of this while they've announced that they will ditch their Spexy engine and have a brand new engine next year. That's
0: going to cost a lot of money.
2: Yeah, actually, I'm not surprised because the second half of their season has been really low on performance and points. I think it's more a case of when rather than if. Uh, will they lose the fourth place to Haas in the Constructors' Championship?
0: And I can tell you, Daniel Ricciardo's mind is already going all like, Oh my God, where am I going next What season? have I
2: done? <laughs>
0: and Nico Hülkenberg, our favorite driver, my favorite driver, he said that Renault lack a sharp weapon needed to fight. Now, I can't really think of what he meant by the word sharp other than sharp. Minds in the team or something. I don't know. That's
2: really rude. (laughs) So guys, the uh, United States Grand Prix is up this weekend. And we're wondering, will Ferrari be able to recover from their slump? And will Lewis Hamilton clinch his fifth world title in the country that he loves so much?
0: Now, unfortunately for Ferrari, the FIA have deemed that the Mercedes wheel rims are legal. And these are those newly designed rims that have helped Mercedes use their tires better.
2: But talking of the FI and Ferrari, I was wondering why Charlie Whiting had to clarify about the second FIA sensor and how that wasn't the reason why Ferrari was slowing down. Like, how does he know?
0: Yeah, I mean his clarification, you know, is probably like is he trying to like, you know, mask the obvious? That that's what it seemed like to me. But anyway, at the Circuit of the Americas, Daniel Ricardo has said that there are at least four places one could overtake this means that Max Verstappen could probably find at least eight places, like, <laughs> like he did last season, right? He, at least. <laughs> he, had, he had that spectacular overtake on Kimi Raikkonen, which was then deemed uh, illegal, and then he was thrown off the podium. <laughs> but by the way, there is actually a curb that Kota has installed at that very corner, so nobody can pull off a Verstappen out there. And Kota have actually called that curb the Verstopper. Like, I love how the circuits are getting in (laughs) on this whole social media caption craze as well.
2: Very cool. By the way, Verstappen was disallowed by Red Bull Racing from testing a MotoGP bike. I mean, Verstappen is dangerous and bang happy on four wheels. So, I can't imagine how he would have been on two wheels. So, I kind of get why Red Bull Racing did that.
0: Yes. And uh, okay, now it's time. I want to hear Mithila's favorite, what Wolf said this week's section.
2: Okay, yay. So, Wolf said that the 2019 aero rules could shake up the order and give another team an early advantage.
0: Now, we know that this is an engine formula and that there is no way that an aero-only advantage would give any other team an advantage over Mercedes' super formula engine, whatever engine formula is, as they'd call it.
2: And Wolf said that he expects Botas to step up in 2019 and expects him to become a title contender. Ouch. Yeah. I don't
0: know if that's the joke of the weekend <laughs> or the week.
2: Yeah, you know, should this actually happen? And for Bottas's sake, I really hope it does. Mercedes will then have to figure what's in store for Esteban Ocon. Because right now, Ocon is dreaming of racing the Silver Arrows into 2020, you know.
0: Yeah, but I, I honestly find it a little funny that Ocon could go from no seat in 2019 to a seat in the Mercedes in 2020. At the moment, it seems too good to be true for me at least.
2: Fingers crossed. And uh, finally, Wolf said that he wouldn't interfere in strategy calls. And uh, I really wonder if Wolf makes any of those calls himself, honestly.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm sure he just instructs the engineers and they run the race. And somehow Wolf's PR has been such that we all are made to believe that he actually does much more at Mercedes than he actually probably does at Mercedes. But Anyway, so here's now a quick listen to Lucien's Moments in
1: Time section. Welcome to Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield. Today, we discuss the US Grand Prix. The US Grand Prix is about one man, Lewis Hamilton. That's it for Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield. Bye for now. Haha. <laughs> But Hamilton has won five of the last six on this Cota track, and Sebastian Vettel won. Given the form of these two drivers, I might as well stop right there, given the inevitability of the result. The United States has a chequered history with hosting the Formula One Grand Prix. At times, there have been no races in the United States in Formula One, with multiple years missing from the history books. Yet, at times, there have been two races a year. And in 1982, believe it or not, the United States of America hosted three races at different tracks. They were the United States Grand Prix West at Long Beach, the Detroit Grand Prix, and Caesars Palace Grand Prix in Las Vegas. From car parks made into temporary circuits, to horrible concrete jungles, right up to the magnificent Dakota Permanent Grand Prix facility, the U.S. of A has really done it all and seen it all. Oh, and the Indy 500 has also played its part, granting Formula One points in the 50s and up until 1960, though not technically a Grand Prix. Ayrton Senna was marvelous in Detroit, winning for both Lotus and McLaren, and he was mega in Phoenix too. But Frost snatched one lucky win on a bad day for Senna in 89. Mika Hakkinen got his final Grand Prix victory at Indianapolis in 2001 but it was his engine blow-up in 2000 that contributed largely to his dismal ends to a fantastic title fight. Michael Schumacher was mega pretty much everywhere, and he had his fair share of USGP wins, five in total, including the shocker that was in 2005, where most of the grid did not race due to Michelin tyre issues, and a governing body that couldn't put on a pair of shoes straight if you paid them to. At Watkins Glen in 1973, Jackie Stewart declined to race for the final time before retiring as a champion from Formula One, due to the death of his teammate and soon to be team leader, Francois Severe. Now he suffered a fatal accident in qualifying. What a looker, what a talent, he was amazing. Just one of so many back then to lose their life in what was a stupidly dangerous and very primitive Formula One compared to today. Keki Rosberg won a crazy Dallas Grand Prix in 1984 where most of the field crashed and burned on a track so poor it was breaking up before the race even began. This race is famous for the image of Nigel Mansell pushing his Lotus to get into the points and collapsing from heat exhaustion. Speaking of Keke Rosberg, it was in the US that he wrapped up his 1982 world title in Las Vegas. Alan Jones gave Carlos Reutemann a beating in Las Vegas 1981. Having disobeyed team orders early in the season and infuriated Jones, it was Carlos who would pay in the last race after pretty much leading the title for most of the year. Going into the final round, he had a shocker, and Jones, in his final Formula 1 race, supposedly, won the race, and Nelson Piquet took the first of his three titles. In recent times, Lewis Hamilton has won six of the last seven in 2007, he won a controversial battle with his then teammate Fernando Alonso. And then, after a few years with no USGP, in 2012, Cota took over and Hamilton pretty much has owned his place. Sebastian won there in 2013, and Nico Rosberg should have done so in 2015, but for some wind. Um, I lost the race because I had wind. <laughs> for sure! 1982 saw Nicky Lauda fulfill his own prophetic words by winning his third race after coming out of retirement in Long Beach. And 1983 was a real corker at the same venue for the McLarens, with John Watson winning after qualifying 22nd, and even more amazingly, Lauda finished second after qualifying 23rd. Now that is Hollywood right there. Now this is the US of A. So for showbiz, big white teeth. It supersized everything. Cannot go past 2002. In a year of Ferrari domination, the third in a row, it was Rubens Barrichello winning by the tiniest margin when Michael Schumacher tried to orchestrate a photo finish and got it wrong. It was one of those boring races where you wish for the end of the world, only to have a laugh right at the end. That's it for Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Pfeiffer. Catch you next time.
2: Great Kunal, so I must ask you your predictions for the race ahead.
1: Well,
0: I get a feeling that uh, Lewis Hamilton is going to be winning the race and the title, which means that Valtteri Bottas will come second or someone else. And then frankly, it doesn't matter where Sebastian Vettel finishes. But ironically, Bottas is closer to Vettel for second place in the Drivers' Championship than Vettel is to Hamilton for first place. But uh, what's your pick for the weekend?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be a Lewis Hamilton win, followed by Vettel and then everyone else. Basically, I have a feeling that Ferrari will delay that title loss by at least one more weekend. So I'm picking Mexico over United States, basically. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the Formula One and MotoGP titles could be decided this weekend. So let's actually see if they end up being decided. But uh, think of it this way. This is round 18 of the 2018 Formula One calendar. Now, let's be thankful for 21 races because a few seasons ago, the calendar would have ended at round 18 or earlier. Hmm. Okay, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, We will be back in the week between USA and Mexico. You guys know where to follow us and subscribe to us for all our daily updates. So that's it from us. Adios and see you next week. In your attic, fully covered means fully insulated. If you can see your rafters, you're losing heat and money. But with the Home Depot, it's easy to add blow-in insulation yourself in just a few hours, and you'll save up to 15% on heating and cooling costs for years to come. Winter temps are here. So
1: are winter heating bills. Are you covered? Right now, get a free blow-in machine rental when you purchase 10 bags or more of select blow-in insulation only at the Home Depot. How
0: doers get more done.